do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 395, maybe? I don't know. It sounds about right. Um, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you will feel outstanding. And who, my goodness gracious, doesn't want to feel outstanding? Uh, on today's show, we have... Actually, let me do our motto. Our motto is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. You got that? I do. You're with me? Kind of. I can't hear very well in my earphones. Can oh, you hear me? Do you me? have wax in your ears? No. Oh, maybe that's the problem. Well, are you going to turn it up or no? Um, sure. I think that's the one. Um, so on today's show, before I get into my quick takes, don't forget about my mm, quick takes, sweetie. Okay. Uh, we're going to discuss an article uh, from a woman named Jean Twang, T-W-E-N-G-E, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, called The Smartphone Generation Versus Free Speech. Oh, how interesting. I did not know it was written by a woman. Well, uh, J-E-A-N is a woman's... That's how you write the woman's version of Gene, right? I think it is. Because G-E-N-E is the guy's version. I actually had a great uncle, and his name was J-E-A-N. So maybe this is a guy. But who knows? Who it, knows? It's just, you know how when you read something, you hear a certain voice when you read it? I do. So. Um, and then also, um, I'm... This is going to be, I think, a little bit less, but uh, there is a guy from Upworthy. His name is Evan Porter, and he wrote something real brief. Uh, it's called, it's 2017, the stereotypical shotgun-wielding overprotective dad type is officially out of date. Right. And, you know, I'd like to add to the the article about the I generation uh -huh. is I'm going to add some of... Well, some of kind of my own commentary about it, but uh, some discussion about Brene Brown's new book, which has not come out yet. Maybe when this show comes out, it will have come out. Mm -hmm. But I'm just kind of reading all the stuff I can find on it. Right. And I think what she is writing about in that in her new book, I think it's called Braving the Wilderness, has a lot to do with this I generation thing. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. And we're going to see Brene in just a month Couple or weeks. two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but real quick, we do um, events around town. We sure do. And we have uh, some coming up. One is virtual, our, our Zen Talk, which is part of our Zim, our, our team. Our Team Zen subscription that you can get into. It's two or three live talks a month. We uh, do Facebook question and answer. Um, it's kind of like, it could be considered like a group coaching thing. But here's the interesting thing about Zen Talk. Okay, so it's actually called Team Zen. And like Todd said, we have these um, interactive podcasts. And if you can't join them live, then we send them to you. I've had a few people email me and say, you know, I kind of want to do Team Zen, but I just don't want to commit to anything. Meaning I don't want to be like on the, hook. on the hook to do something. And let me tell you guys, you're not on the hook to do anything. Right. Like if you want to join the live talk, go ahead. If you don't, don't. If you don't want to listen to the podcast, don't. Like it's not school. Right. Like we have nothing, we have nothing in it except our desire to do some extra live podcast to answer your questions and to offer ourselves on the Facebook page if you have questions. And that's it. So, you know, it's not something where you have to be like, oh, if I'm in it, like if a few Team Zen members have emailed me and said, I am so sorry I haven't been on a live talk. And they're so apologetic. We love you, but we don't care. Yeah, it's okay. Like, we want you there if you want to be there. But there's no like, oh, we've got a checklist who's showing up, who's not. This isn't school. Yeah, We're there for you. You're not giving – well, that's not true. Of course you give something to us because there's an exchange of energy. But we're not – we 
it's it's kind of a one way giving thing. So if you get something from it, take great. as much out of it and then discard whatever you choose not to listen to or get into. Or that's right. Like if you miss two of the three, that's fine. Like it's so. I'm just saying that because there was actually one uh, somebody who emailed me who said I'm really looking for a community. Do you have any suggestions? But Teams on t- sounds like too much to me. I'm like, wait a second. That's exactly what this is. It's just a community, right? And you take from it what you need. How would somebody join Teams? So. Just go to uh, zenparentingradio.com. Click on the upper right-hand corner that says Get Zen. Uh-huh. There's a drop-down, and there's a link that says Join Team Zen. Yeah, and that the Team Zen page is pretty cool, too, yeah. so you can see what we offer. And, of course, as we have always said, the commitment, it's um, a subscription, but you can cancel it at any time. Yeah. So if you do it for a few months and you're like, it's just not for me, then, it's you know. 25 bucks a month. Um, so, and then this Thursday, we're doing a talk at the elementary, Elmwood Elementary School in Naperville, mm-hmm. and it's titled Maintaining Connection with Your Kids Under Today's Pressures, and it's free. So we'll put the link to that event on our show notes. Uh-huh. Uh, it's this Thursday, September 14th. In Naperville. So. And it's brought to you by I Support Community, which Thank was you. the organization who asked us to do this speaking engagement. Yeah, they do some wonderful things over there, mm-hmm. led by Marion and Sean and the rest of the team. I Support Community. Um, and then lastly, I never bring this up, but I have a men's group and we meet once a month. And if you're a guy and you're in the Chicagoland area, uh, check out our page, which is the thetribemensgroup.com. We have another meeting coming up on Tuesday, September 26th. Would love to get some more um, men in the group. So that's the deal. Okay. So my quick take is this happened to me 15 minutes ago. Okay. I just dropped off my daughter at lacrosse. Okay. And it's a new team and it's a new league. And this is the first day back for the fall. And, um, you know, there's six teams there show up all at the same field. Okay. And, uh, it, you know, my daughter, just like the rest of us, gets a little nervous with new experiences. Where do you go, right? Yeah. She starts biting her nails. She doesn't know where to go. So we're sitting in the car because she didn't want to... Uh, go out there standing alone. She's like, can I just sit in the car with you, Dad? I said, sure, of course. So then um, as, you know, a lot of the kids and parents started leaving out of their car onto the field, she didn't recognize anybody. Mm. And and she's like, so I, I didn't know whether or not she would just go out and try to figure out where she needs to go with what group of players or if she was gonna ask me to come. And she's like, Dad, will you come out with me? Sure. I did. But there is a part of me, like, this is the old school pattern oh, boy. of me. I'm like, you know, you're 14, go figure it out yourself. This is a life lesson. Step outside of your comfort zone. I didn't do any of that. Okay. But this is my... Old pattern. This is my, you know, this is like, I think of my dad, what my dad do to me. The reason I bring this story up, everybody, is these occasions happen all the time to us parents. Like, how? what do we do? Do we, do we nudge them into stepping into their own whatever, or do we support them? Kathy and I are big fans of the support element because the life, you know, she's a, she's a 14-year-old girl, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. These life lessons happen to her all the time. Correct. So if I happen to be there when I can't support her, I'm going to support her. Correct. And just because because there's some other old school philosophies like, no, we got to teach them. We got to do this. We got to do that. And I'm here to say 
that the world is doing that for them already. Well, and it's all, I mean, and again, I keep like giving Todd this look like it's all kind of crazy to me. It's her first day. Mm -hmm. She doesn't know where to go. It's okay to support her in getting to where she needs to go because then from here on out, she has to go by herself no matter what. So what's the lesson we're teaching and saying, go be there, go be uncomfortable. I think there's times where us parents are like, no, we have to push them out into the deep end of the water so they can learn to swim. And she does that every day of her life. She's pushed out into the deep end. You know, she's goes to school on her own every day. She goes to her, she's joined all these clubs and she's going there and walking in for the first time. She's going into classes first time by herself. She's walking down the street, you know, by herself. And the thing is, is this is like a small moment in time where you're saying, and we're not doing anything. We're walking next to her mm-hmm. to the coach. There's nothing we're doing except being a supportive presence. And that is exactly why I'm bringing it up. Exactly yes. what you just said. Because the other thing is us adults go into a room, a conference room for work or, or a mom's club or a dad's club. We get nervous and anxious too. That's right. And so, you know. And we will say to our friend who sits next to us in the office, will you go in with me? Or what time are you going to meet me there? Or, and we do that. And you know what? I am going to venture a guess that some parents don't go because they're uncomfortable too. Could be. Meaning that they're like, well, no, no, you go do it because they don't want to get out of the car and go be uncomfortable too. And that's not a slam as much as it is a Mm self-awareness because there are times when I'm like, like, you know, this is a very simple one. Sometimes we'll be going to the, you know, JC and Skyler and Cameron will be with me and we'll go to the grocery store and I'll be like, can I just give you guys <laughs> the credit card and you go in? Because I don't want to go in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, occasionally they're like, yeah, because it's just something for them. But sometimes they're like, mom. Yeah. Grocery store. We're in it together. Yeah, you can and, do it. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like, and most of the time I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. But my point is, is that sometimes we push things off on our kids that we're like, I don't want to do it. So... Again, just just a little self awareness. If yeah, you disagree, just a small example, um, and these yeah. opportunities come to us parents all the time, whether or not your kids three, thirteen, or twenty three. Well, and so you walk her up there, and then she's got to practice, and you leave, and yeah. you're back home. So it's there's nothing. Uh, what's the word like? Um, what's the word I'm looking for where someone would say that you are not accommodating her, but... Pacifying? Passive, no, it's it's a different word. You are... Enabling? Enabling or... There's another word I'm looking for, but that you are some... Coddling. That's the word I'm looking for. That you are coddling her when really all you're doing is supporting her to get to where she needs to be, and then you leave. Yeah. And then she has to do it herself. Right. And then next week she'll have to do it herself. And the next week... I mean, that's why we're here yeah. in their lives right now. You don't have to push children into the deep end of the pool for them to learn to swim. Most kids learn to swim in the shallow end, and then they themselves swim out to the deep end because they start to enjoy swimming. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I mean? So it or there's a lot of kids who get pushed. I'm talking metaphorically here, who get pushed out into the deep end of the pool, stop swimming altogether because they don't trust the people around them. Well, and a question I always like to ask, like you know, a parent will like you know, forcibly push their kid into an uncomfortable situation, the kid will somehow survive and the parent will say, see, See? I told you. And whether they say that to themselves or to their kid or to their partner. But the question I always ask is at what cost? And the cost is, it's a withdrawal into the 
emotional connection between you and your kid. That's the thing is that they don't trust you as much. And you may say, oh, sure they do. You know, you, the thing is, is I, we did this compassion talk last Tuesday, about a week ago at the library. And one of the things I brought up is a lot of us adults, we've story, we've created a story around our childhood. Like, I'm so glad I was terrified of my father (laughs) or else then I wouldn't have been a success. And my question is, is that true? I mean, maybe you can you can justify it and not justify it, wrong word. Maybe you can take the good out of a negative and say, you know what, yeah. here's what I learned and more power to you because I do that too. I think that's a coping yeah. tool. I think that's a way to utilize our learning. But was that the only way is my question. Well, and then is it possible that, oh, maybe uh, if your dad did a different way and did not instill as much fear, maybe you'd be a little bit less successful and then you'd have a really good relationship with your dad. <laughs> right. I'll take that. Or maybe that fear brought you to a certain level of success, but maybe without the fear, you would be even more, more successful. successful. Like you don't know. And that's the thing is I think there's nothing wrong with hindsight and saying, here's what I learned from it. But I think where we get into trouble is when we storytell and we box it in and we say, this is the only way. Yeah. The only way I was able to do this was because I was scared to death of my parents, and so I have to make my children scared to death of me, and we are unwilling to look at any other possibility because, again, what is the thing that Todd and I always go back to? Like when you guys are like, okay, it sounds like you're talking about a million different issues. What's the common core? Relationship and connection. Relationship and connection. Because your kid can survive, thrive, cope, be successful in all the different ways that they can be successful, give back to the world, be a force for good if they understand connection. That's like the jumping off point. Mm -hmm. And connection is not permissiveness and it is not passive parenting. It It is discussion and communication and consequences and- um, boundaries, boundaries and structure, but also connection. And that they, you talking about things that are challenging, identifying things they did that were disrespectful, bringing things to their attention that need to be brought to their attention instead of sweeping things under the rug. These are all things that lead to this deeper connection. As you guys know, let's, we'll just, sorry, Ted, I'm kind of going on a tangent, but it'll be a two minute tangent. Just take, the relationship with your partner or what, when Todd and I talk about the disagreements that we have, we disagree. We have deep conversations quite a bit. Those disagreements or discussions where we're like, wait, we got to talk this through or I don't see it this way lead to our deeper connection. Do you see what I mean? So permissiveness and passiveness would be, I'm not going to bring anything up to Todd because I don't want to rock the boat. He's not going to say anything because he doesn't want to make me upset. That's permissive and passive. But connection and intimacy is driven by the vulnerability of being able to talk about really difficult things. And that's what we do with our kids. And then we have a deep intimacy and connection, and then they can cope with the world. There you go. Um, And by the way, connection is one of our four pillars that's on our website, sweetie. You know what the other three are? I do. What are they? I wrote them. Or I mean, when I say them, when I say I wrote them, I wrote the little captions underneath them. Self-awareness, connection, compassion, and mindfulness. There you go. Yes. So, um, all right. That was a long intro, 15, 15 minutes. It doesn't take much to get it started. So my other quick take is I, I sometimes just do this to make myself laugh. I get these kind of random voicemails from these automated people who tell me that I'm in a lot of trouble. I know. You better call them back. So this is my most recent one, but it's just even more interesting. You ready? Okay, I'm ready. Hopefully, hopefully the audio comes through. Filings. 
from the headquarters which will get expired in next 24 working hours. And once it get expired after that, you will be taken under custody by the local cops. Wow, cops. There are four serious allegations pressed on your name at this moment. We would request you to get back to us. So I think she needs an English class. Right. Because it's not even, first of all, I think. Well, she's speaking English, but grammatically. Grammatically, it's not correct. you'd mm-hmm. think that they would maybe shape mm-hmm. up the grammar a little mm-hmm. bit, but maybe not. Maybe mm-hmm. that's by design. Well, and it's computerized. Most likely, it has nothing to do, it's not a real person's voice. And she voice. used the word cops. <laughs> cops. Anyways, she. I don't know. We're I don't, calling it a she. Well, she sounds like a she. Well, she, she does, but it's a computerized voice. I know, but it's a, designed to sound like a female. Correct. It's but it, what I mean is they could have typed all that in and then so right. it's not. So I'm not speak. accusing a woman. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, you and I first said English, and then we said grammar, and the thing is, is it's a computer spitting out information. Right. So we're really not even ripping on someone's grammar. I want to identify, I want to name this woman. Well, do you remember that uh, Friends episode when it's the one where they're late and Ross is trying to get all of them to go to his his little dinosaur yeah, yeah. thing? His little dinosaur thing. And they're all running late, and it's the one where, you know, one of our faves where Joey's like, can I be wearing any more clothes? Yeah. No, or maybe it's a different one. No, it's a different one because it's the one when Phoebe's on the phone, hanging on the phone, waiting for the person because the person keeps saying, you're the next caller. Yeah, and she waited like 12 hours. Right, and Joey's like, because the person keeps coming back saying, you're the next caller. And Joey's like, that's a great job. (laughs) I want that job to just come back and say. But there's a lot of people out there who like that job. They don't do anything. They just sit there and keep on saying, you're the next caller. But it's not a person. It's a That's the joke of the the whole thing that Joey says. It's not a person. Got it, sweetie. (laughs) (laughs) Knew that. Um, oh, I thought you didn't understand. No, I do you understand. You have got to listen. You have got to listen. Um, okay, so what we have coming up next, I want to talk oh. about, uh, what are you going to talk about? Well, you the summit. Um, let me do talk about oh. Care.com. Okay. Care.com is one of our partners, and uh, they're the world's largest digital marketplace for finding and managing family care. Yep. Uh, find care for everyone in the family, whether you need child care while you're at work or want to line up a date night and you get a sitter, uh, housekeepers, dog walkers, senior care, things like that. And we've used it, and we're big fans of this service. So um, here's the call to action. You got to go to care.com slash zen and get yourself premium membership, which we have. And to save 30% off, go to care.com slash zen, and it's pretty sweet. So All right. Got it? Okay. Um, this is going to be shorter. I read something that one of my Team Zen teammates sent to me this morning okay. um, and it was a reference to a article written by Evan Porter and it's titled it's 2017 the stereotypical shotgun wielding overprotective dad type is officially out of date oh so we're doing this first yeah because this is a whole nother discussion my love don't you think I know but isn't the other one going to be longer correct but we already did the 15 minutes of let's get this one out of the way oh all right and then we'll we'll finish strong with the big one. All right. Does that sound okay? Sure. Okay. Um, so this is straight from the article. He says, hey, I get it. As a dad, it's hard to think about the day when your daughters start dating. To think of ill-intentioned boys or girls sniffing around, manipulating their emotions, and leaving a broken heart in their wake is hard to swallow. We're bound to be protective of our daughters because the fact is the world can be a more dangerous place for women than it is for men. 
but it's also high time we realize that they can make their own decisions and make their own rules for what they do with their bodies. And we can trust them to be the bosses and gatekeepers of their own lives. So I'm going to read a, um, I'm going to read a, uh, post that some guy named Jay Warren Welch said, and it says rules for dating okay. your daughter. So hold on a second. Sure. What w- give me the connection between what you just read like and what you're reading this now. guy referenced this evan porter the guy who wrote it in upworthy okay included this one guy's facebook so basically post. it's all the same article it's an upworthy article yes okay but it was this this date this rules for dating my daughter was written by another guy correct it, okay. it's just it was all brought together with him once. so and just as a quick aside i the reason that my team my zen teammate sent this to me because she knows that i get triggered by dads who walk around with t-shirts that say dads against daughters dating or the stories that I've been told so many times in my life of, oh, you have three daughters, get your shotgun ready. And what that says to me is make sure that you instill the fear of God into any boy that may show up to come and date your daughter. And, And the reason it triggers me is because what it does for me is it basically removes any possibility of um, my daughter making good judgments on themselves. And it's such a kind of messed up message. Good judgments for, for themselves. themselves. And it's such a messed up message because what a lot of dads will say to their daughters is, listen, guys only want one thing, which is, you know, sex or whatever, which isn't true, by the way. Us men want many things. And some of it is just to have a healthy relationship with the woman that we like. And it has nothing to do with anything intimate. So that's the first thing. Um, so these, this is the one, this is the rule for dating my daughter. You ready, sweetie? I'm ready. You'll have to ask them what their rules are. I'm not raising my little girls to be the kind of women who need their daddy to act like a creepy, possessive badass in order to, in order for them to be treated with respect. You will respect them. And if you don't, I promise they won't need my help putting you back in your place. Good luck, pumpkin. (laughs) So the reason I like that is because basically... The idea is not to instill this fear into boys and then while at the same time get your girl to never trust any boys again. The idea is to raise your daughters to be able to be independent, act upon themselves to make good sound decisions. Because as I've said in the past, um, you know, if you want to do the fear-based fathering when it comes to dating, that's fine. But what happens when they get into college when you're not there? So it's just... It's not a good system. Well, and you know what? I think that on a very like shallow level, sometimes those kind of things that men say to each other are just dumb small talk things. I think they don't know what else to say to each other. I think I think you're right. That's part of it. I think it's but like there's, there's a, an authentic part of there it. There is too. a deeper thing to it, and I in no way want to breeze over that. But because we've talked about this so much, sure. you know, people know that we believe this. But I really do. I was just kind of as you were reading and envisioning men saying that to each other wherever they are. And it just seems like a dumb small talk thing. It is. Like, it oh, happens on the golf course. It yeah, happens in the office. I see it. It happens at the bar. So just get something new to say. I was. It's, it's funny because I get this reaction a lot. I just got it actually from somebody I saw at lacrosse today. And when so, I met somebody and they're like, uh, oh, how many kids do you have? I say three daughters. And you get that reaction. You know the reaction I'm talking about? Like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. And and. I guess I don't know what they mean by the oh boy, but I think what they mean is your world is going to be really tough as soon as they become teenagers. But see, they already are. See, people have been saying this to us since they were very little. They said, wait till they're five, wait till they're seven, wait till they're in middle school, wait till in high school. Well, they are. So 
I have a 14 year old an almost 13 year old and a nine year old. And I know when and they're like, wait till they're driving, wait till it's time for college. This, the same things remain true. Terrible and I, twos. I'm not saying that my daughters don't have issues. That's not what it is. What people are saying to us when they say, oh boy, oh boy, is you're going to disconnect from them. They're not going to love you anymore. They're not going to want to be around you. The, just wait till your house explodes. That doesn't have to be. Talk about another thing that seems like a small talky thing. Of course they're growing. Of course they're different than they were when they were five or six. Of course the relationship has shifted. Of course their peers have become important to them. Of course they've needed more space from us. I'm not saying those things haven't happened. If Todd and I kept those things from happening, we'd be at fault. Because our whole job in raising children is to let them go. Our job is to not be like, be like you were when you were five with us. You know, be with us all the time. But like, uh, just to give you guys an example, since Monday or Tuesday, we had a um, a date. The five of us were going to go to my nephew's football game on Friday night. And that was the plan. That was the plan. And then we realized Cameron had a birthday party with her friends. Okay, done. Cameron's going to the birthday party. It's her friends. It's super important to her. And then the day on Thursday... One of JC's best friends who had who had moved away came back for the weekend. And JC's like, you know what? I want to be with her on Friday night. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Go be with your friends. And she ended up going to the York game instead. That's her high school. So the two of us and Skylar went to the game and there was no problem. So the point I'm I'm trying to give you an example of it's not about trying to create something inauthentic. It's about allowing and kind of rolling with what's happening naturally with them. And Todd and I reacclimating to that, and that maintains a connection. Mm. So, do you see what I mean? Like these things, I think sometimes the and, and again, these people who say things like "Oh boy," I even wonder if it's like real to them or they just don't know what to say. Yeah, do you it, think it's conversational? I don't know. I but I get triggered every time I get the "Oh boy." And then what do you say? I don't say anything. I don't <laughs> acknowledge it. You know, if I'm feeling very righteous, I would be like, you know, because if they follow up saying. If they say something like, wait till they're teenagers, wait till they're all on their period at the same time. Like oh, they say that's that. so bad. Don't they, they do not? Of course they do. Men say that? Yes. Okay. Well, that's and just the, ignorance. And, and they even say, when they're teenagers, you're never going to want to be at home. They're telling me that I don't want to be in the house that I'm a part of with your, because with your I have children. teenage daughters. Wow. I hear it. I'm not, you know. No, no. I totally believe you, but I just feel like that's like a lack of understanding of like- You think? What a, a menstrual cycle is. You think we don't go crazy, just so everybody knows. Um, I was gonna say something else, but oh, so here's my takeaways because I, okay, as you know, cool. I like takeaways. Okay. So, what can we do as dads to do this? The first one is take care of yourself, of course, obviously. The second one is, um, be a good partner to your partner. Mm. You know, if you're married to a woman, the they're going to compare every let's just say that my daughters are straight, all three mm-hmm. of them. I don't know who knows. But let's just say they are. But you know what? I don't know if it's a gender thing. I mean, I hear what you say about, you know, you're you're basically saying if they are, um, you know, if their lives do end up being very similar to ours, if they choose a male partner, they will compare him to you. But really how you treat your partner, period. Do, don't you think? I do. It's just easier to grab onto okay. it if I say okay, it go this ahead. way. They're going to compare every boy that shows up in their life with the way that I treat Kathy. Mm-hmm. So sure. if I can, and I'm not a perfect husband, but uh, most all the time, uh, most of the time I treat 
Kathy, with respect and love and kindness. And it's a blessing that you're not perfect because, and I'm not perfect because then they don't expect perfection. Do you see what I mean? But you know, this gets into the cycle thing. Like, let's just say I verbally abused you every week or whatever. Correct. It, they're going to think that that's normal. Normal, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're not attracted to what's best for us. We are attracted to what's familiar. And if a girl is used to seeing her dad yell at her mom, even though it's not in her eyes good, she's going to be like, this is the way men treat women. So that's what you could do, guys. And then this is smaller stuff. Um, There's all these different documentaries out there, like Finding Kind and things like that. I typically show my daughter's the Sorry Not Sorry Dove commercial Mm -hmm. over and over. And it's, it's, it's a quick little commercial. We'll put it in the show notes of empowering women not to apologize when they don't when they shouldn't apologize and then that makeover one that we always used to show at BU mm-hmm. um just that's more physical but there is a video where they show you know a girl and then they show what they do to her in photoshop and makeup and everything else and that's all about based upon you know these girls you see in the magazine are not which real. is kind of a different direction that's not about relationship but relationship to yourself yeah just just strong <clears throat> independent women yeah that care about what I think is most important. So those are, those are my ideas. Okay. Thank you. All right. So second topic. Or fifth. (laughs) I mean, let's go. Let's Uh, go. Smartphone generation versus free speech. And this is written by that gene person. Okay. Controversial speakers are being shut down on campus because today's college students are obsessed with psychological safety and have little experience with negotiating conflicts. Okay. Okay. Uh, Students have insisted on safe safe spaces to protect themselves from ideas which they disagree and have demanded the dismissal of faculty members who offend their sensibilities. Okay. Okay. She says, let's let's assume the author's a she, I don't know. She says, meet iGen, I-G-E-N. I think that's the new generation. I-Generation, yeah. Is that a normal Well, I mean, you could also, you could say millennials, you can say um, Generation Y. person calls it iGen. The generation of young Americans born after 1995 and the first to spend their entire adolescence with smartphones in their hands. Okay. Uh, So first, Millennials grew up in an era of smaller families and protective parenting. They rode in car seats until they were in middle school, bounced on soft surface playgrounds, and rarely walked home from school. For them, unsurprisingly, safety remains a priority even in early adulthood. So let's stop there. A little bit of an exaggeration, probably for effect. You know, do they really ride in car seats until they were in middle school? Probably not. And again, this is why these articles are tough. Right. Because there's like this, you, you're you basically setting people up to be annoyed at this whole generation before you can even formulate, formulate your own opinion. Right, exactly. So... Um, so, but they, she, she talks about some surveys, fewer of these millennials, uh, say they like to take risks, which has benefits. Okay. Risk has benefits, of course. Um, and risk has benefits, but the fact that they take fewer risks oh, actually has benefits. Got it. For example, they get into less car accidents than they did 10 years ago. That's great. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Less physical fights. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. A number who binge drink was cut in half between the late 1990s and 2016. It's pretty good. All pretty good. But the author goes on to say about how this uh, also has some consequences. Side effects, yep. And some of the consequences are, you know, the example that the author uses is on these college campuses, um, the students typically ask universities to not allow certain speakers onto campus because they disagree with their belief system. Correct. 
Now, this is such an ambiguous idea、mm-hmm. because if somebody's coming to campus to speak about hate,、mm-hmm. I'm all for these millennials or these iGen people to say, no, I, I, I would not provide a platform for these types of people. This is why it gets tough because when you showed me this article, I'll be honest, Todd、mm-hmm. told me about this article and I was like, eh, because it's tough. These are, this is a tough conversation because when you have someone like Milo Yiannopoulos, whatever his name is, is that his name? M- Milo. Yiannopoulos is. I, I don't know who Milo is. Well, if you look it up, you'll know who he is. He actually,、um, he's one of these guys who kind of tours around to, to provoke. He's like a, a male Ann Coulter, you、okay. know? Got it.、Um, his whole thing is to be a provocateur, and he goes around and does a lot of speaking about hatred and about.、Um, uh, it, it, and you know, it's hard because a lot of times he'll call it. Right wing or alt right.、Sure. You know, like we have a perspective too, but the pr- perspective is often about being divisive or being afraid、yeah. or, you know,、um, cutting certain groups down or cultures down. And so there is a hate tinge to it. And so he's one person, he and Ann Coulter, who have been told, you know, they were going to go speak somewhere、uh-huh. and then were not allowed to.、Um, and people like free speech, free speech, free speech. But this is tough because. Free speech, it, it, yes, you can say what you want to say without going to jail. Without going to But jail. But that doesn't mean a private university, university has to give them the platform. It's like Oprah. You, she used to give the skinheads the platform. Right. And she's like, I'm not going to do that I'm anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore because they're, I, I'm helping them spread their message. And, and you take, this is where it gets really messy because you take the. Idea of what is a university for? Because this article goes on to say the whole point of college is to be able to think differently, right? right? To see different perspectives.、Yeah. I agree. Like I've mentioned to you guys before, that、um, when I was thinking, when I was deciding to go to college and where I was going to go, my dad would always say to me, Yes, you're going there to get an education, but really you're going there to learn how to be social and be with other people. You're learning how to live amongst other people. You're learning how to deal with things, see different things. And, and I really agree with that.、Yeah. I really agree that college is like a crash course on how to relate, understand, and see things differently.、Yeah. So that I agree with. Yet I don't know if creating space for hatred. Is part of that. I, I, you, we can know that there's hatred out there without saying, let's rent out the stadium、mm-hmm. to bring hatred here. I don't, you. I, you know, we can talk about these groups or they can have、um, their, their own groups,、mm-hmm. I guess. But see, this is where it gets, this is where it gets so messy because isn't that what happened in Charlottesville?、Mm-hmm. Is they would say, well, we got a permit and we did our own peaceful march, which I don't see how you can be. A hate group and do a peaceful march. Those are kind of like, those don't fit together. Well,、um, I don't know. Yeah, well, and I, I don't know. I, I keep going back. Yes, the First Amendment says that you can go、uh, speak and not get arrested, but that means that you can go into a public place, I think, within reason and permits and all that, and you can get that done. But it doesn't mean, like, let's say we had somebody that wanted to talk about something we completely disagreed with on our show. Yeah. We don't want you there. Right. The university, I think, has the same right to do that. Now, that doesn't mean if somebody has a, a, a different philosophy on something that isn't spreading hate, I agree that these college kids need to be challenged with that. Right. But when the basis of it is hate. Right. I'm all for not letting them march because, on a campus. And why? It's not because. It's not because Todd and I disagree or because this political group disagrees. It's because it hurts people. It's harmful. It creates a violent,、um, 
it, the whole concept of it, it it creates violence inside of us. Mm. It it it's a, you know, I kind of think about it as is creating war inside of us, and and that I don't see how that serves. I don't see how, um, and someone could say, well, it serves because that's they think that's what needs to be done for the country, well, but. And here's the here's the other interesting part of it is if uh, you know I go between like let's just say a hate group did say they were going to come march in our downtown, mm-hmm. which is right to go protest or to not show up because literally if nobody showed up like no newspaper no person mm-hmm. and it was just them mm-hmm. marching, nothing would happen. They they would stop marching. Mm-hmm. The whole idea is to get people there to protest. Mm-hmm. But the flip side of this, this is kind of the tricky part, is Sometimes you have to stand up and Correct. protest. And it's, I, I don't know. And if somebody is doing a march and they're marching through a town, they're going to be provoking people. Yeah. They're, the whole thing is to provoke. They, they, you know, I watched this great episode of, I used to watch The Good Wife and there was, um, CBS now has an access show um, called The Good Fight, which is a continuation of The Good Wife for any of you who miss The Good Wife like I do. And one of the episodes it was about the law firm that Diane is connected to now, and they had to help these guys who go online and provoke for a living. Yeah, They're basically like, um, that's their job, They're, is to go online and just to provoke people. Mm-hmm. And they're not bots, mm-hmm. they're real people. And they feel like the Constitution has their rights in mind, that they feel very justified and that they have every right to do what they're doing and to stir people up and to tell people to go after certain people and to troll certain people. And the truth is, in some ways, the Constitution and our laws do protect them. Mm -hmm. But there's this great, I wish you could find it right now. Maybe you can. This great speech that Diane gives to one of them who she's actually helping because, you know, it's kind of like the ACLU, you know, how they have to help sometimes. Give me a keyword. Um, put in the good fight. Yeah, got it. Um, Diane. Got it. Um, internet trolls. All right, I'll look for it. Yeah, see if you can find it. If you can't, it's okay. I mean, it may not be common enough for it to be a clip, but she just gives this good speech to him how... Yes. Okay, great. The laws protect you. And what and what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, what are you doing for the world? You're causing your in but for people who don't feel alive, who don't feel good in who they are, who don't feel like they have any value. Mm-hmm. Misery loves company. Right. They want to be anarchists. They want to blow things up, if not literally, you know, with their words. And and again, let me just say this because Todd and I've said it four or five times. I have no answers. I don't know how to solve this. Right. It's just can we discuss it, which is probably the most really what I wanted to talk about in terms of this article. You know, when I'm like, okay, what can I dig out of this article? It was not so much about that as it was about the safe spaces and the trigger warnings. Okay, explain what the safe spaces are. Okay, so what they were talking about is on college campuses, because this generation has grown up with a better understanding of emotional safety Mm -hmm. and what that means, there's an expectation of that there can be places that they can go to feel safe from language, from words, from things that could be emotionally harming to them. Trigger warnings, as many of you guys may know, online on like Facebook or, you know, Twitter or whatever. Sometimes people put trigger warning. This video might um, make you uncomfortable. This video might, you know, create some kind of discomfort in you because of the content. And you and I might have talked about this on the show before, because while I think it's a fine thing, meaning that 
I think everybody has the right to say this is a video that has some material in it. If it be about puppies at a mill or if it be about sexual assault or if it be about the meat packaging industry, it might be kind of hard to watch. So trigger warning. Where I get uncomfortable is when we start shaming people for not putting a trigger warning. Yeah. Okay. So this is where I want to bring in Brene Brown's work. Okay. Okay. Because her next book called Braving the Wilderness, which I have not read, but maybe will be done by the time this podcast comes out because I think I get it on Tuesday or Wednesday. The content of her book is about um, how we can be more civil with each other and still speak up about what we believe. That's exactly the sweet spot that I'm trying exactly. to get to. Exactly. Yeah. So, and I think she she said that her um, her publisher said maybe we should just call this book "How to Piss People Off in 150 Pages" because mm. people are going to be pissed about the book yeah. because it's calling that just like people were pissed when they were asked to be more vulnerable. People were pissed when she was telling him to dare greatly. People were pissed when she was asking him to look at their imperfections. These are very vulnerable things, but the examples she gives are things like a group. Um, I'm thinking about some friends of ours, uh, and I, I, I won't name them, of course, but online who are like, I am completely supportive of these vulnerable populations. You know, this population is vulnerable. We should never go after them. You know, I protect them. I honor them, which I love. But then someone will say something or maybe use the wrong word, you know, like to, you know, they're talking about a certain group and they use maybe Hispanic yeah. instead of Latino, right. which again, it is still, it, that may not even be wrong for many populations. And then someone will say, how dare you use that word Hispanic? Have you no idea? You're completely offending this population. How dare you? When this person was just trying to- Intention was pure. Intention was good to say, oh, I didn't know that. Mm. This is, I didn't know that I was supposed to say Latino. I didn't know that. Mm. I'm trying to offer my support of this population. And I didn't mean to offend you, but you drive people away and people become afraid to even say anything because they're afraid their words will offend. And people who are trying to support certain vulnerable groups aren't very welcoming and open because they they aren't civil in how they respond to people's expression. Like one of the stories, and I, and I, this might be in Brene's book, or maybe I just heard her talking about it on her Facebook Live talk. Mm. We posted a Facebook Live talk of hers right after Charlottesville that was phenomenal. Um, you could just go to her page, Brene Brown, um, her Facebook page, and you'll probably find it. She doesn't post that often. But she was talking about how there was this 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 kid who came home. He wasn't a kid. He was a young man. And his dad was talking about his friend next door that he had been helping out. And his dad happened to call him Oriental. Mm. He's like, yeah, he's, you know, he makes me Oriental food and he's Oriental Mm. and and whatever. And the son was so offended by that and was like, dad, nobody says Oriental. People only say Asian. That is so offensive. I can't believe you would say that. Got so upset. And this dad said, okay, well, I have to go because the man next door that you're talking about, I'm taking him to his doctor's appointment. Mm -hmm. Now- why that's such a powerful story is this some people, uh, some generations, some places in the country, they don't have all the words yet. Yeah. But it doesn't mean they're intolerant. They get caught up in language and don't and don't even bother to ask about intention or understanding. They don't yeah, the people what the people who get mad at yeah, them. People yes. who get mad. And so now here's the thing. It doesn't mean his son should stay quiet. Mm-hmm. What he could say is, Dad, you know what? You may not have known this. 
But people actually don't say Oriental. That's kind of like for materials. Like Oriental is like that rug is Oriental or that material. But people are Asian. That's kind of the language we use. And then his dad would be like, oh. This is all about the difference between reacting and responding. Exactly. So the boy gets triggered because his dad uses the wrong word. Yes. And instead of responding, he reacts without thinking. And what, uh, what Kathy and I love to talk about whenever we're talking to a group of people is all we're trying to do is create a small space in between stimulus and response. When you're reacting, at least the language I like to use, when you're reacting, you're just going at it. Like you don't think about it, you know, whether it be an email that you get, I, I had an email from a listener and, I was triggered and I wanted to write back right away. Right. And I did. And I'm like, I'm going to give myself a day. And my email was so much different than it would have been if I would have reacted. You have time. to access your executive functioning. That's exactly right. So how do you do that? Everything we talk about, meditation, taking breaths, self-care, everything. Mm-hmm. So that's all we're really mm-hmm. talking about. Um, real quick about this article. What also triggers me is when old people like me, 45 years old, say the kids aren't the same these days. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this over and over mm-hmm. and again. So my first thing is, yeah, millennials are different than we were. And guess what? We were different than our parents were. And guess what? Their parents were, our parents were different than their parents. They shouldn't be like us. They shouldn't. It's called evolution. It's called, this is the way it goes. Mm -hmm. So instead of saying, yeah, kids are probably on their smartphone a lot more than we were. You want to know why? Because we didn't have one. We didn't have them. And guess what? If we would have had one, I would have used it. Our lives would have been different. So it's more about that. So, and then what is the good? Like I, I, I read off some of the good things. Like these kids aren't binge drinking as much as they used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, less car accidents. Like there's wonderful things. These uh, kids these days have a much more con- uh, social consciousness mm-hmm. than we ever did. Mm-hmm. So these are all wonderful attributes. And And then here's the key to making like, to bringing these two worlds together is, you know, it, it can be disturbing disturbing if a group of students get together and decide they don't like the, you know, the president of the university and say, we need to run her or him off campus because they didn't agree with what we agreed with. Yeah. There can be some challenges to me as a 46-year-old woman where I go, now, wait a second. But it's okay for them to speak their mind, the the piece that's missing is the civility piece. Like you're taking what you perceive to be hatred or intolerance, and then you're being hateful and intolerant. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that we have to learn how to bridge is if, you know, like um, I wanted to make sure that I wrote down Martin Luther King's entire quote after reading this article, because this quote gets used all the time, you know, MLK's quote, but really listen to it. Returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Mm. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot, cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Now, the problem is, is our sociological mythology is that that's we have Star Wars, you kill everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, the best high school stories, the bully gets beat up. The We believe, that's kind of our mythology. World War II drove out Hitler. Correct. We The thing is, is we don't have a lot of good stories of light driving out light. Now, 
in some ways we can. Like we could even, like I'm talking about Star Wars again, really it was light Mm -hmm. because like Darth Vader actually became light. Yeah. You know, Anakin came back. Well, Luke had a chance to kill his father. And he didn't. And he didn't. There you go. See, okay. So it's in there. The Emperor said, now strike your father down or whatever he said. And he wouldn't do it. He throws his lightsaber away. He wouldn't do it. He says, I'll never kill my father. I'm Mm -hmm. a Jedi Knight and all that. So like the Jedi is a very much light drives out light or light creates light. So- that's the thing is that if we can understand that this all the examples we gave like a safe space I don't see a problem with a safe space until you bar- you start being hateful to people who don't understand your safe space okay right um or a trigger warning hey you know put a trigger warning on there but then if you're going to be hateful to people who are still learning about what that means then there's no discussion there's no there's no process of of helping educate people about why you need them. And again, that doesn't mean that some people don't need to get more loud mm-hmm. or, you know, because I'm sure people can come up with their examples of, no, there are times when there certain issues necessitate- Loudness. Loudness. But does loudness have to be not civil? What did you say at the conference this year? Love louder. Love louder. Can I play Luke? Please. This is 50 seconds. Luke just beat his dad in a lightsaber fight. The Emperor is looking on. This is at the end of Return of the Jedi. Jedi, like my father before me. So be it, Jedi. And guess what happens after that? Darth. The, the purple lightning, uh, the blue lightning bolts comes out of the Emperor's fingers. Yeah. And then Darth steps up. Yeah, my, my thing isn't working. I know. Stupid thing. Stupid thing. So... Just kind of in summary, so to make sure that we kind of bring because again, there's a this is like a lot of intense information, right? And something that I think is really important is that for you to know that Todd and I don't have the answers of how to solve all these things, but I'm willing to talk about it, yeah, and I'm willing to listen to what other people have to say about it. I kind of feel like my grounding forces, you know, self awareness, connection, um, mindfulness, and compassion. compassion are the grounding forces of my life. And so I kind of weave everything through those. So with that, I understand trigger warnings and self and safe spaces. But when they start to go off the charts where everything has to be about protecting one person or one group and nobody else is considered. And there's a political correctness and then nobody's even having a conversation. Right. Then we're, see, and there's this, th- what, what it amounts to, to me, if I'm going to try and sum it up, is the same kind of 
dichotomy of you're either a winner or a loser. So it's like we're trying to get away from this winner-loser mentality, but then sometimes when we're doing safe spaces, we're like, you're either on my side or you're against me. Or you're either um, a coddling parent or you're a disciplinarian. Right. And it's it's all about the gray. And going back to Todd's story at the beginning about, you know, walking into um, lacrosse with JC. The thing is, is in that moment, there is some safety and some I'm going to support you and I'm going to do this. Because in that moment, it's what she needs and she's asking for it. And that is okay. And you don't need to go from your heart to your head and say, now, wait, does this, am I being a coddling person? This feels like the right thing. And your ability to do that will allow her, builds that capability in her where then she can do it herself. So there is no, I'm this or I'm that. You're, you sometimes are this and you're sometimes you're that. Exactly. There's no rule book. There's no rule book. Every kid is different. Correct. I might approach it differently with one of my other daughters. Correct. I may be like maybe one of my other daughters said, Dad, will you stay at practice for 15 yeah. minutes? And I know she needs that. I would do it. Whereas another one I know has the strength and the ability to do it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this, but then I got to go. Like it's all. Like for example, when we're dropping our other daughter off for her lessons and she's like, I want you to just stay here. And, and I was like, you know what? I have to go to the grocery store yes. during this time, but I will be back on time. Right. And she's like, all right. So, and so do you see what I mean? Trust your gut. Trust your gut. And then get quiet and listen to yourself and, and contemplate on it an hour later, a day later. And if you think you screwed up, which we all do as parents every day, you just adjust and you adjust and you adjust and you adjust. And the key word here is one of the things we do because of our discomfort about the uncertainty of the world is we try and make things that are uncertain very certain. And we try and be like, this is the right way all the time. This is the only way to do it. This is the only religion. This is the only culture. This is, And that gives us a sense of safety from something we can never be safe from because the world is vulnerable and there's a lot of this and a lot of that and a lot of things this is right and a lot of things that is right. And not everything can be made certain. Mm. So if you can... and. So the the word is vulnerability. You have to be willing to keep your heart open to the world. And that can be hard, but it is better than the alternative, which is I'm going to be certain about everything, create my box, shut things down, decide I'm this and you're that and disconnect. We right now in our culture for being as polarized as we are, where you would think, um, you know, oh, everybody belongs to a group now, so they must feel really great because everybody's like, I'm this and you're that. We're all in these groups and these boxes, but we're more lonely than we've ever been. Mm. That is one thing we can say about right now is that the loneliness is at an all-time high. And a lot of that has to do with some things that have happened in the last 20, 30 years. And it also has a lot to do with what's just going on present time. But when you reach an all-time high in something, there's no way to go but back down. And I mean that with optimism, meaning once you recognize how lonely you are and that the polarization that we've been experiencing doesn't work, it doesn't make you feel more connected or more more valuable. It makes you feel horrible. Then you start to say, how can I be more civil? How can I listen? Not to a hate group. We're such extremes. We're like, you know, you're either a, a hate group or you're open-minded and heart-filled. Yeah, no. there's, a whole there's a whole gray area there. there that is tricky to navigate through. It is. And and labels screw us up, yep. you know? Um, and if we kind of just let go of the label, you know, another thing that um, 
another sentence that I loved that I just found. Let me see if I can find it. It was something about, it was, it was kind of like a Brian Stevenson quote, but it wasn't his. It was about being in the proximity of people. You can't, once you are around people, you can't hate them anymore because then you just realize, well, I mean, yeah, some people can. I just rolled they, my eyes. Yeah, Todd There's rolled his eyes. plenty of people who are around people that they hate. What I mean is we are, Todd and I don't know what's going to happen with Florida because we're taping this on Saturday. So on Tuesday, when you guys are listening to this, you're going to have gonna, different news than yeah. we have now. But with with Houston and with everything with Florida and in this hurricane, nobody is saying, I'm only going to let white people help me into a boat. Mm-hmm. No one is saying, I'm only going to let men help lead me out of my apartment when I'm afraid of drowning. No one's going to say, are you a natural born citizen? That's the only way that I'm going to allow you to drive me to a safe place. Like these things we fight about are dumb. Like, and and I'm sorry, I'm not calling a person dumb. It's just a, I, I don't get it. And, and this whole, once you are with people and you know people, you're like, oh, we're all the same. Well, I, I feel like it's Mr. Rogers. It's funny. We talk about, you know, we're hardwired, hardwired towards survival, but I think we're also hardwired towards compassion. We, you, we if are. If you see somebody that needs help desperately, sure, there's a few outliers of people that just have challenges that don't want to do it. But 99% of the people out there, if they see somebody in need and they have the capacity to help them, they will do that. And Todd, we don't, you don't just think it. We know it. Mm-hmm. We are hardwired for compassion. I dedicate, you know, last semester, this time last year, I dedicated the whole semester to teaching how we're hardwired for empathy. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't an empathy like woo-woo thing. It was neurobiologically. We are hardwired to be compassionate and help each other. You want to know why? That's how we survive. Mm-hmm. So when you said, I know we're hardwired for survival, mm-hmm. well, to survive, the vehicle you need of compassion. survival is compassion, and it's funny. This is kind of a dumb, not 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 dumb, but this is a, a weird take on it. I remember I was listening to a speaker at some point, and he was talking about how people are empathic and empathetic and compassionate. And then during the middle of the speech, I may have even shared this on the podcast, he got stuck in what he was saying. Ah, and he I happens to us all the time. And he didn't know what to say. And it was an uncomfortable silence for an extended period of time. Yeah. What the audience didn't know is that he did that by design. And the reason he did that by design is because all of you people felt badly for me in that moment. So it was kind of a manipulation, but a good one, just exemplifying like, as human beings, we're hardwired like, oh, I, I feel bad. You. I hurt for you. Mm-hmm. Mirror and neurons, right? Mirror neurons. Exactly. We feel what other people are feeling. Yeah. We can't help it. Yeah. And a lot of times that's a vulnerability in itself where we numb that out. Yeah. We're like, I feel too much of what the world feels. So I got to numb that out. And and I get it because sometimes it can be too much. Yeah. you know. So, and I'm, I'm not saying we should numb, but there are some things I can't watch because it's too painful. And there are some things yeah, that I got to protect yourself. I got to protect myself too. But I am willing, what I am willing to do. I may not be willing to watch a horror movie or something where people are killing each other on TV, but I am willing to help someone in front of me who's sad. I will walk into that vulnerability in a second. You know, someone who's struggling, someone who has a story, I will do what I can to protect myself so I can be there for that person. And that's and th- and that's the thing like I kind of feel like a lot of anger and hatred toward anyone is a lack of exposure toward 
that that's the proximity that person, we're talking that's the proximity about. like once you meet people this is why world travelers and people who have lived around the world i was listening to an interview with stuart copeland on uh tim ferris who's so interesting by the way stuart copeland the, from the police. police yeah he's so interesting after you tell the story we got a Finishing things up. I I know. But why he's so interesting is, first of all, he lived in Lebanon his whole childhood. He lived in Beirut, Beirut, and went to school there. Is he the drummer or the guitarist? The drummer, Andy Sumner. And Stuart Copeland lived all over the world for his whole childhood and then ended up in London. That's where he and Sting became friends, whatever. But someone like that doesn't have anger at different populations. He may have you know, cultures that he, you know, prefers to live in or, you know, his own tastes and styles, but he knows that all people are the same and that in every culture, there are people who are challenging and people who are beautiful and it has nothing to do with your skin color and it has nothing to do with, you know, where you were born. People are people. And, um, I could bust into Depeche Mode right now too. Uh, when you say people are people, isn't that from, um, Horton Hears a Who too? That's no matter how small. A person's a person, no matter how small. Yeah, and that's more about you know somebody who maybe doesn't have the same status you do. Yeah. But same same idea. Same, and same. so the point is, is that this article that Todd read, you you might be interested in it, but when you read it, read it with an open mind rather than oh yeah, these millennials are screwing things exactly. up. Exactly. Read it with a. There's some things that they're bringing to the table. Read like, it with curiosity. Like with an emotional awareness that maybe our generation didn't have. And then now, what we need to bring into it is the civility of helping people understand the emotional awareness, bringing our generation into the mix, where we don't millennials or anybody else for that matter doesn't get mad at us or the generation above us for not knowing everything. Yeah, we're not we we don't know all the new words. Yeah. You know, like there's words I'm using from like two years ago that, you know, my daughter's like, nobody says that anymore. I'm like, I still do. Yeah, there's a lot of words I don't know. I know. And I try as, as a social worker and both of us do doing the show, we try and stay up on the on the correct language. But to do that. They're always going to be, be ahead of us. If it be the LGBTQ community, if it be certain cultures or certain races, we want to stay on top of it. But you know what? The only way that Todd and I can do that, we have to ask people. And sometimes people get offended when we ask, but I would say 90% of people do not. I Don't you feel like when we've asked questions, people have been very good to us about this is how you say it. Yeah. But that is what we have to be willing to do is asking the questions and being civil and people giving the answers. When people ask you, what do I call you or what word do I use or how do I say this? Be civil in responding. Mm. Say, thank you for asking. Here's the answer. If you can do that, then we're on to something. We're on to something. We're on to the next thing. All right, let's do it. I'm done. What are you doing on October 13th? Oh, so October 13th, 14th, actually. Yeah. Um, So you guys, moms, there's this summit. It's called the WOW Summit. It's empowering moms to raise happy and healthy families. So those of you who listen to the show, you'll love this. Um, It's in Itasca. And it, again, like Todd said, it's October 13th and 14th. So it's like a two-day event. They have, you know, speakers, um, education. Friday is Blogger's Day, sweetie. Friday is Blogger's Day. There's, you know, you're going to, it's like meeting your community. And on Friday, Blogger Day, I'm actually um, facilitating an interactive panel um, where it's going to be a group of bloggers and I'm going to kind of interact you know, facilitate that panel and get people talking about things. Saturday's mom's day. Yes. So Saturday is mom's day. Will you be there Saturday? I'm not a mom. Well, you know what? I think this is just for moms. I don't think this is for you, Todd. It's the mom summit. Meet. It's the wow summit, empowering moms to raise 
happy and healthy families. I don't think they want my kind in there. Well, I think if you came in, you would be very loved. But at the same time, this is very focused on moms. So here's what you need to do. You can go to our website, zenparentingradio.com, and on our calendar, it is on our live events. You can find it there. But you can also go to momsmeet.com slash zenparenting, okay? And if you use... um, uh, discount code Zen30, you get 30% off your ticket. Yep. So that's pretty great. So we'll post this on social media um, and we will be talking about it on the show, but that's October 13th and 14th, the WOW Summit, um, empowering moms to raise happy, healthy families. And Zen30 is 30% off. And I'll be there on Friday. We got two reviews, which are short but sweet. Okay. One's from Kenny Stanley. Uh, Kelly part, Stanley. It says Kenny, sweetie. I'm just reading. Oh, because... I think we know a Kelly Stanley, don't we? I'm sure we do, but I'm just reading. All right. This podcast is such a breath of fresh air. When Kathy and Todd say it will make you feel outstanding, they're not joking. Kathy and Todd, thank you for leading the charge in helping parents evolve to meet the needs of our future generation. The other one is from Canines and Coacher. It says, I feel at home. The biggest compliment I can ever give to someone is that when I'm with them, I feel at home. Mm. It's how I knew my husband was the one. It's the feeling I knew I had when my son was born. When I listen to Todd and Kathy, I feel connected to them, myself, and the bigger picture of life. I feel at home. I take away tremendous meaning and comfort. They've been more responsible for building on my self-awareness, self-esteem, helping me refine and shift further into the person and parent I'm supposed to be. That's the biggest compliment in the world yeah. because that's how Todd and I like, that's why Todd and I like each other. Yeah. Because I always say he felt like home. Um, um, and- oh, wait. Uh, one of their podcasts on adoption through foster care inspired us so much that we are now days away from getting licensed <gasps> in California for foster to adopt. I can't recommend their podcast enough. It's been such a blessing in my life and my husband's. And that's from Julia Norcross. Oh, we know them. I know. We I met don't... them at the conference. There we go. So let me say something about that. I thank you so much for that um, lovely review. That was that touched me. Um, and and we really have to thank um, Let It Be Us. Yes, we because do. they're the ones who were on the show. Our friend Susan McConnell, who created Let It Be Us, and she um, that's their focus is foster care and adoption. And they they bring. You know, a lot of times when you hear foster care, the image you get in your head is not a good one, as if it's a really disruptive system. She's just trying to change what that looks like to everybody because it is a lot different than we think. It is a lot different. And so if you are interested in what Julia just said, is it letitbeus.com? I think it's letitbeus.org. Letitbeus.org. And then I will also uh, post our interview with Susan in the show notes because it's a powerful, that's one of the more powerful ones we've Mm -hmm. done because we had that young man who- just went to college this yes, year. Yes, it's crazy stuff. Yes. So uh, we love reviews uh, personally because it strokes our ego, but secondly, because it helps us spread the word about mm-hmm. the podcast. So you can do it from your phone. So go to your uh, podcast app, do a search for, um, or actually go to iTunes store, do a search for Zen Parenting Radio, and then there's a button on there that says ratings and reviews. So give us a review and maybe we'll read it on the air. And then our other two partners is Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. You can find out more about Dr. Kelly and how awesome she is um, at chirotree.com. I actually fell asleep on the table last week because I was tired. I had to wait like three <laughs> minutes and I fell asleep in those three minutes. That's, that's normal. You're face, you're face down in that chiropractic table thing and I went night-night. 
And then don't forget about Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty. He does painting and remodeling all over the Chicagoland area. Give him a call and tell him Zen Parenting sent you. Jeremy's phone number is 630-956-1800, and his website is avidco.net. And I'd like to end on this because I have a feeling when everybody listens to this on Tuesday that we're going to have heard and that there was a lot of destruction. Yep. And I don't know that for sure, but it sure um, looks, like it, sure looks like it. And and the other um, islands around us, you know, not just Florida, but, you know, Cuba and all these other islands. And I just I just want to say that um, that we're all here to help each other and that we'll get through these hard times and um, let's take care of each other and open your hearts. And obviously we're going to give what we can and let's not remember that we all belong to each other and we need to, you know, remember that. That's right. We all need help sometimes. Yeah. Very good. All right. Thank you, sweetie. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, We'll check in with you next week. Keep trucking. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also tell a friend about our show. Are you a force for good? Yes. (laughs) If so, then get your tickets for the Zen Parenting Conference, March 2nd and 3rd, 2018, with Cheryl Strayed, Orly Waba, and Mike Domish. When purchasing your tickets, consider becoming a Zen friend for our conference scholarship program. Let's make sure anyone who wants to attend can be there. Come see us. We look forward to having everyone in Chicago. Check out all of our live events at zenparentingradio.com. You can also find our virtual community of listeners that we call Team Zen. You can find books and podcasts that we recommend and so many other opportunities and resources. Go to zenparentingradio.com. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's awesome award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or on Amazon. Thank you. You're welcome. And just so you know, I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. (laughs) On the phone, Skype, or in person, contact me to uncover the subtle shifts that will change your life. If you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out the tribemensgroup.com. We would love to have you be a part of the tribe. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link found on our homepage, zenparentingradio.com, under Support Us. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. I want to give a special thanks to our partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. They've been with us since the start, and we love them. And to all of you, thanks, thanks for your for love, your love and, and support. support. Keep trucking. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>